Chapter Two of the Wide Wide World. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Wide Wide World by Susan Warner. Chapter Two. Gives sorrow to the winds. Sorrow and excitement made Ellen's eyelids heavy, and she slept late on the following morning. The great dressing bell waked her. She started up with the confused notion that something was the matter. There was a weight on her heart that was very strange to it. A moment was enough to bring it all back, and she threw herself again on her pillow, yielding helplessly to the grief she had twice been obliged to control the evening before. Yet love was stronger than grief still, and she was careful to allow no sound to escape her that could reach the ears of her mother, who slept in the next room. Her resolve was firm to grieve her no more with useless expressions of sorrow, to keep it to herself as much as possible. But this very thought, that she must keep it to herself, gave an edge to poor Ellen's grief, and the convulsive clasp of her little arms round the pillow plainly showed that it needed none. The breakfast bell again startled her, and she remembered she must not be too late downstairs, or her mother might inquire and find out the reason. I will not trouble mother. I will not, I will not, she resolved to herself, as she got out of bed, though the tears fell faster as she said so. Dressing was sad work to Ellen today. It went on very heavily. Tears dropped into the water as she stooped her head to the basin, and she hid her face in the towel to cry, instead of making the ordinary use of it. But the usual duties were dragged through at last, and she went to the window. I'll not go down till Papa is gone, she thought. He'll ask me what is the matter with my eyes. Ellen opened the window. The rain was over. The lovely light of a fair September morning was beautifying everything it shone upon. Ellen had been accustomed to amuse herself a good deal at this window, though nothing was to be seen from it but an ugly city prospect of back walls of houses, with the yards belonging to them, and a bit of narrow street. But she had watched the people that showed themselves at the windows, and the children that played in the yards, and the women that went to the pumps, till she had become pretty well acquainted with the neighborhood, and though they were for the most part dingy, dirty, and disagreeable, women, children, houses, and all, she certainly had taken a good deal of interest in their proceedings. It was all gone now. She could not bear to look at them. She felt as if it made her sick, and turning away her eyes, she lifted them to the bright sky above her head, and gazed into its clear depth of blue till she almost forgot there was such a thing as a city in the world. Little white clouds were chasing across it, driven by the fresh wind that was blowing away Ellen's hair from her face and cooling her hot cheeks. That wind could not have been long in coming from the place of woods and flowers, and it was so sweet still. Ellen looked till, she didn't know why, she felt calmed and soothed, as if somebody was saying to her softly, "'Cheer up, my child, cheer up. Things are not so bad as they might be. Things will be better.' Her attention was attracted at length by voices below. She looked down and saw there, in one of the yards, a poor deformed child, whom she had often noticed before, and always with sorrowful interest. Besides his bodily infirmity, he had a further claim upon her sympathy, and having lost his mother within a few months. Ellen's heart was easily touched this morning. She felt for him very much. Poor, poor little fellow, she thought. He's a great deal worse off than I am. His mother is dead. Mine is only going away for a few months. Not forever. Oh, what a difference! And then the joys of coming back again. Poor Ellen was weeping already at the thought. And I will do, oh, how much, while she was gone. I'll do more than she could possibly expect from me. I'll astonish her. I'll delight her. I'll work harder than ever I did in my life before. I'll mend all my faults, and give her so much pleasure. But, oh, if she only needn't go away. 
Oh, mamma! Tears of mingled sweet and bitter were poured out fast, but the bitter had the largest share. The breakfast table was still standing, and her father gone, when Ellen went downstairs. Mrs. Montgomery welcomed her with her usual quiet smile, and held out her hand. Ellen tried to smile in answer, but she was glad to hide her face in her mother's bosom, and the long, close embrace was too close and too long. It told of sorrow as well as love, and tears fell from the eyes of each that the other did not see. "'Need I go to school to-day, Mamma?' whispered Ellen. "'No, I spoke to your father about that. You shall not go any more. We will be together now while we can.' Ellen wanted to ask how long that would be, but could not make up her mind to it. "'Sit down, daughter, and take some breakfast.' "'Have you done, Mamma? "'No, I waited for you. "'Thank you, dear Mamma. with another embrace. "'How good you are, but I don't think I want any.' "'They drew their chairs to the table, "'but it was plain neither had much heart to eat, "'although Mrs. Montgomery with her own hands "'laid on Ellen's plate half of the little bird "'that had been boiled for her own breakfast. "'The half was too much for each of them. "'What made you so late this morning, daughter?' "'I got up late in the first place, Mamma, "'and then I was a long time at the window.' "'At the window? Were you examining into your neighbor's affairs, as usual?' said Mrs. Montgomery, surprised that it should have been so. "'Oh, no, Mamma. I didn't look at them at all, except poor little Billy. I was looking at the sky.' "'And what did you see there that pleased you so much?' "'I don't know, Mamma. It looked so lovely and peaceful, that pure blue spread over my head, and the little white clouds flying across it. I loved to look at it. It seemed to do me good.' "'Could you look at it, Ellen, without thinking of him who made it?' "'No, Mamma," said Ellen, ceasing her breakfast, and now speaking with difficulty. "'I did think of him. Perhaps that was the reason.' "'And what did you think of him, daughter?' "'I hoped, Mamma. I felt. I thought. He would take care of me,' said Ellen, bursting into tears and throwing her arms around her mother. "'He will, my dear daughter, he will, if you will only put your trust in him, Ellen.' Ellen struggled hard to get back her composure, and after a few minutes succeeded. "'Mamma, will you tell me what you mean exactly by my putting my trust in him?' "'Don't you trust me, Ellen?' "'Certainly, Mamma. "'How do you trust me? "'In what?' "'Why, Mamma, in the first place I trust every word you say, entirely. "'I know nothing could be truer. "'If you were to tell me black is white, Mamma, "'I should think my eyes had been mistaken. "'Then everything you tell or advise me to do, "'I know it is right, perfectly. "'And I always feel safe when you are near me, "'because I know you'll take care of me.' "'and I am glad to think I belong to you, "'and you have the management of me entirely, "'and I needn't manage myself, "'because I know I can't. "'And if I could, I'd rather you would, Mamma. "'My daughter, it is just so, "'it is just so, "'that I wish you to trust in God. "'He is truer, wiser, stronger, "'kinder by far than I am, "'even if I could always be with you. "'And what will you do when I am away from you? "'And what would you do, my child, "'if I were to be parted from you for ever?' "'Oh, Mamma," said Ellen, bursting into tears, and clasping her arms round her mother again, "'Oh, dear Mamma, don't talk about it.' Her mother fondly returned her caress, and one or two tears fell on Ellen's head as she did so, but that was all, and she said no more. Feeling severely the effects of the excitement and anxiety of the preceding day and night, she now stretched herself on the sofa, and lay quite still. Ellen placed herself on a little bench at her side, with her back to the head of the sofa, that her mother might not see her face, and possessing herself of one of her hands, sat with her little head resting upon her mother, as quiet as she. They remained thus for two or three hours without speaking, and Mrs. Montgomery was part of the time slumbering, but now and then a tear ran down the side of the sofa, and dropped on the carpet where Ellen sat, 
and now and then her lips were softly pressed to the hand she held, as if they would grow there. The doctor's entrance at last disturbed them. Dr. Green found his patient decidedly worse than he had reason to expect, and his sagacious eye had not passed back and forth many times between the mother and daughter before he saw how it was. He made no remark upon it, however, but continued for some moments a pleasant chatty conversation, which he had begun with Mrs. Montgomery. He then called Ellen to him. He had rather taken a fancy to her. "'Well, Miss Ellen,' he said, rubbing one of her hands in his, "'what do you think of this fine scheme of mine?' "'What scheme, sir?' "'Why, the scheme of sending the sickly lady over the water to get well. "'What do you think of it, eh?' "'Will it make her quite well, do you think, sir?' asked Ellen earnestly. "'Will it make her well? "'To be sure it will. "'Do you think I don't know better than to send people all the way across the ocean for nothing? "'Who do you think would want Dr. Green if he sent people on wild goose chases in that fashion?' "'Will she have to stay long there before she is cured, sir?' asked Ellen." "'Oh, that I can't tell. That depends entirely on circumstances. Perhaps longer, perhaps shorter. But now, Miss Ellen, I've got a word of business to say to you. You know you agreed to be my little nurse. Mrs. Nurse, this lady whom I put under your care the other day, isn't quite as well as she ought to be this morning. I am afraid you haven't taken proper care of her. She looks to me as if she had been too much excited.' I've a notion she has been secretly taking half a bottle of wine, or reading some furious kind of a novel, or something of that sort. You understand? Now, Mrs. Nurse, said the doctor, changing his tone, she must not be excited. You must take care that she is not. It isn't good for her. You mustn't let her talk too much, or laugh much, or cry at all, on any account. She mustn't be worried in the least. Will you remember? Now, you know what I shall expect of you. You must be very careful. That piece of toast of yours should chance to get burned one of these fine evenings. I won't answer for the consequences. "'Good-bye,' said he, shaking Ellen's hand. "'You needn't look sober about it. "'All you have to do is let your mamma be as much like an oyster as possible. "'You understand? "'Good-bye.' "'And Dr. Green took his leave. "'Poor woman,' said the doctor to himself, as he went downstairs. "'He was a humane man. "'I wonder if she'll live till she gets to the other side. "'That's a nice little girl, too. "'Poor child. "'Poor child.' Both mother and daughter silently acknowledged the justice of the doctor's advice, and determined to follow it. By common consent, as it seemed, each for several days avoided bringing the subject of sorrow to the other's mind, though no doubt it was constantly present to both. It was not spoken of, indeed, little of any kind was spoken of, but that never. Mrs. Montgomery was doubtless employed, during this interval, in preparing for what she believed was before her— endeavouring to resign herself and her child to him in whose hands they were, and struggling to withdraw her affections from a world which she had a secret misgiving she was fast leaving. As for Ellen, the doctor's warning had served to strengthen the resolve she had already made, that she would not distress her mother with the sight of her sorrow, and she kept it as far as she could. She did not let her mother see but very few tears, and those were quiet ones." though she drooped her head like a withered flower, and went about the house with an air of submissive sadness that tried her mother sorely. But when she was alone, and knew no one could see, sorrow had its way, and then there were sometimes agonies of grief that would almost have broken Mrs. Montgomery's resolution, had she known them. This, however, could not last. Ellen was a child, and of most buoyant and elastic spirit, naturally. It was not for one sorrow, however great, to utterly crush her, it would have taken years to do that. Moreover, she entertained not the slightest hope of being able by any means to alter her father's will, 
she regarded the dreaded evil as an inevitable thing but though she was at first overwhelmed with sorrow and for some days evidently pined under it sadly hope at length would come back to her little heart and no sooner in again hope began to smooth the roughest and soften the hardest and touch the dark spots with light in ellen's future the thoughts which had just passed through her head that first morning as she stood at her window now came back again thoughts of wonderful improvement to be made during her mother's absence unheard of efforts to learn and amend which should be all crowned with success and above all thoughts of that coming home when all these attainments and accomplishments should be displayed to her mother's delighted eyes and her exertions received their long-desired reward they made ellen's heart beat and her eyes swim and even brought a smile once more upon her lips mrs montgomery was rejoiced to see the change she felt that as much time had already been given to sorrow as they could afford to lose and she had not known exactly how to proceed ellen's amended looks and spirits greatly relieved her what are you thinking about ellen said she one morning ellen was sewing and while busy at her work her mother had two or three times observed a light smile pass over her face ellen looked up still smiling and answered oh mamma i was thinking of different things things that i mean to do while you are gone and what are these things inquired her mother oh mamma it wouldn't do to tell you beforehand i want to surprise you with them when you come back a slight shudder passed over mrs montgomery's frame but ellen did not see it mrs montgomery was silent ellen presently introduced another subject mamma what kind of person is my aunt i do not know i have never seen her how has that happened mamma your aunt has always lived in a remote country town and i have been very much confined to two or three cities and your father's long and repeated absences made travelling impossible to me ellen thought but she didn't say it that it was very odd her father should not sometimes when he was in the country have gone to see his relations and taken her mother with him what is my aunt's name mamma i think you must have heard that already ellen fortune emerson emerson i thought she was papa's sister so she is then how comes her name not to be montgomery she is only his half-sister the daughter of his mother not the daughter of his father i am very sorry for that said ellen gravely why my daughter i am afraid she will not be so likely to love me you mustn't think so my child her loving or not loving you will depend solely and entirely upon yourself ellen don't forget that if you are a good child and make it your daily care to do your duty she cannot help liking you be she what she may and on the other hand if she have all the will in the world to love you she cannot do it unless you will let her it all depends on your behavior oh mamma i can't help wishing dear aunt bessie was alive and i was going to her many a time the same wish had passed through mrs montgomery's mind but she kept down her rising heart and went on calmly you must not expect my child to find anybody as indulgent as i am or as ready to overlook and excuse your faults it would be unreasonable to look for it and you must not think hardly of your aunt when you find she is not your mother but then it will be your own fault if she does not love you in time truly and tenderly see that you render her all the respect and obedience you could render me that is your bounden duty she will stand in my place while she has the care of you remember that ellen and remember too that she will deserve more gratitude at your hands for showing you kindness than i do because she cannot have the same feeling of love to make trouble easy oh no mamma said ellen i don't think so it's that very feeling of love that i am grateful for i don't care a fig for anything people do for me without that 
"'But you can make her love you, Ellen, if you try. "'Well, I'll try, Mamma. "'And don't be discouraged. "'Perhaps you may be disappointed in first appearances, "'but never mind that. "'Have patience, and let your motto be, "'if there's any occasion, "'overcome evil with good. "'Will you put that among the things you mean to do "'while I am gone?' said Mrs. Montgomery with a smile. "'I'll try, dear Mamma. "'You will succeed if you try, dear. "'Never fear.' If you apply yourself in your trying to the only unfailing source of wisdom and strength, to him without whom you can do nothing. There was silence for a little. What sort of a place is it where my aunt lives? asked Ellen. Your father says it is a very pleasant place. He says the country is beautiful and very healthy, and full of charming walks and rides. You have never lived in the country. I think you will enjoy it very much. Then it is not a town, said Ellen. "'No, it is not far from the town of Thirlwall, but your aunt lives in the open country. "'Your father says she is a capital housekeeper, and that you will learn more, "'and be in all respects a great deal happier and better off "'than you would be in a boarding-school here or anywhere.' "'Ellen's heart secretly questioned the truth of this last assertion very much. "'Is there any school near?' she asked. "'Your father says there was an excellent one in Thirlwall when he was there.' Mamma said Ellen, I think the greatest pleasure I shall have while you are gone will be writing to you. I have been thinking of it a good deal. I mean to tell you everything, absolutely everything, Mamma. You know there will be nobody for me to talk to, as I do to you. Ellen's words came out with difficulty. And when I feel badly, I shall just shut myself up and write to you. She hid her face in her mother's lap. I count upon it, my dear daughter. It will make quite as much the pleasure of my life, Ellen, as of yours. "'But then, mother,' said Ellen, brushing away the tears from her eyes, "'it will be so long before my letters can get to you. "'The things I want you to know right away you won't know, perhaps, in a month. "'That's no matter, daughter. "'They will be just as good when they do get to me. "'Never think of that. "'Write every day, and all manner of things that concern you, "'just as particularly as if you were speaking to me. "'And you'll write to me, too, mamma? "'Indeed I will, when I can.' "'But, Ellen, you say that when I am away, and cannot hear you, "'there will be nobody to supply my place. "'Perhaps it will be so, indeed. "'But then, my daughter, let it make you seek that friend "'who is never far away, nor out of hearing. "'Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. "'You know he has said of his children, "'Before they call, I will answer, "'and while they are yet speaking, I will hear.' "'But, Mamma," said Ellen, her eyes filling instantly, "'You know he is not my friend in the same way that he is yours.' And hiding her face again, she added, "'Oh, how I wish he was!' "'You know the way to make him so, Ellen. "'He is willing. It only rests with you. "'Oh, my child, my child, "'if losing your mother might be the means of finding you that better friend, "'I should be quite willing and glad to go, forever.' There was silence, only broken by Ellen's sobs. Mrs. Montgomery's voice had trembled, and her face was now covered with her hands. But she was not weeping. She was seeking a better relief, where it had long been her habit to seek and find it. Both resumed their usual composure, and the employments which had been broken off, but neither chose to renew the conversation. Dinner, sleeping, and company prevented their having another opportunity during the rest of the day. But when evening came, they were again left to themselves. Captain Montgomery was away, which indeed was the case most of the time. Friends had taken their departure— the curtains were down, the lamp lit, the little room looked cosy and comfortable, the servant had brought the tea-things and withdrawn, and the mother and daughter were happily alone. Mrs. Montgomery knew that such occasions were numbered, and fast drawing to an end, and she felt each one to be very precious. 
She now lay on her couch, with her face partially shaded, and her eyes fixed upon her little daughter, who was now preparing the tea. She watched her, with thoughts and feelings not to be spoken, as the little figure went back and forward, between the table and the fire, and the light shining full upon her face showed that Ellen's whole soul was in her beloved duty. Tears would fall as she looked, and were not wiped away. But when Ellen, having finished her work, brought with a satisfied face the little tray of tea and toast to her mother, there was no longer any sign of them left. Mrs. Montgomery arose with her usual kind smile, to show her gratitude by honoring, as far as possible, what Ellen had provided. "'You have more appetite to-night, Mamma.' "'I am very glad, daughter,' replied her mother, "'to see that you have made up your mind to bear patiently this evil that has come upon us. "'I am glad for your sake, and I am glad for mine. "'And I am glad, too, because we have a great deal to do, and no time to lose in doing it.' "'What, have we so much to do, Mamma? said Ellen. "'Oh, many things,' said her mother. "'You will see. "'But now, Ellen, if there's anything you wish to talk to me about, "'any question you want to ask, "'anything you would like particularly to have, "'or to have done for you, "'I want you to tell it to me as soon as possible, "'now, while we can attend to it. "'For, by and by, perhaps we shall be hurried.' Mamma said Ellen, with brightening eyes, "'there is one thing I have thought of that I should like to have. "'Shall I tell it to you now?' "'Yes.' Mamma, you know I shall want to be writing a great deal. Wouldn't it be a good thing for me to have a little box with some pens in it, and an inkstand, and some paper and wafers? Because, Mamma, you know I shall be among strangers at first, and I shan't like asking them for these things as often as I shall want them, and maybe they wouldn't want to let me have them if I did. I have thought of that already, daughter, said Mrs. Montgomery, with a smile and a sigh. I will certainly take care that you are well provided in that respect before you go. "'How am I to go, Mamma? "'What do you mean?' "'I mean, who will go with me? "'You know I can't go alone, Mamma. "'No, my daughter, I'll not send you alone. "'But your father says it is impossible for him to take the journey at present, "'and it is yet more impossible for me. "'There is no help for it, daughter. "'But we must entrust you to the care of some friend going that way. "'But he that holds the winds and waters in the hollow of his hand "'can take care of you without any of our help.' and it is to his keeping above all that i shall commit you ellen made no remark and seemed much less surprised and troubled than her mother had expected in truth the greater evil swallowed up the less parting from her mother and for so long a time it seemed to her comparatively a matter of little importance with whom she went or how or where except for this except for this the taking of a long journey under a stranger's care would have been a dreadful thing to her do you know yet who it will be that I shall go with, Mamma? Not yet, but it will be necessary to take the first good opportunity, for I cannot go till I have seen you off, and it is thought very desirable that I should get to see before the severe weather comes. It was with a pang that these words were spoken and heard, but neither showed it to the other. It has comforted me greatly, my dear child, that you have shown yourself so submissive and patient under this affliction. I should scarcely have been able to endure it if you had not exerted self-control. You have behaved beautifully. This was almost too much for poor Ellen. It required her utmost stretch of self-control to keep within any bounds of composure, and for some moments her flushed cheek, quivering lip, and heaving bosom told what a tumult her mother's words had raised. Mrs. Montgomery saw she had gone too far, and willing to give both Ellen and herself time to recover, she laid her head on the pillow again and closed her eyes. Many thoughts coming thick upon one another presently filled her mind, and half an hour had passed before she again recollected what she had meant to say. She opened her eyes. 
Ellen was sitting at a little distance, staring into the fire, evidently as deep in meditation as her mother had been. "'Ellen,' said Mrs. Montgomery, "'did you ever fancy what kind of a Bible you would like to have?' "'A Bible, Mamma," said Ellen, with sparkling eyes. "'Do you mean to give me a Bible?' Mrs. Montgomery smiled. "'But, Mamma," said Ellen gently, "'I thought you couldn't afford it.' "'I have said so, and truly,' answered her mother. "'And hitherto you have been able to use mine. "'But I will not leave you now without one. "'I will find ways and means,' said Mrs. Montgomery, smiling again. "'Oh, Mamma, thank you,' said Ellen, delighted. "'How glad I shall be.' And, after a pause of consideration, she added, "'Mamma, I never thought much about what sort of one I should like. "'Couldn't I tell better if I were to see the different kinds in the store?' "'Perhaps so. "'Well, the first day that the weather is fine enough, and I am well enough, "'I will go out with you, and we will see about it.' "'I'm afraid Dr. Green won't let you, Mamma. "'I shall not ask him. "'I want to get you a Bible, and some other things that I will not leave you without, "'and nobody can do it but myself. "'I shall go, if I possibly can.' "'What other things, Mamma? asked Ellen, very much interested in the subject. "'I don't think it will do to tell you to-night,' said Mrs. Montgomery, smiling. "'I foresee that you and I should be kept awake too late if we were to enter upon it just now. "'We will leave it till to-morrow. "'Now read to me, love, and then to bed.' Ellen obeyed, and went to sleep with brighter visions dancing before her eyes than had been the case for some time. End of chapter 2